the rest of us, can you just kind of lift your hands like this? Let's just, Father, everybody repeat after me. Father, help me receive your word. Prepare the soil of my heart. Prepare my mind. Teach me your ways. Make me more like Jesus. Wash me with your word. Teach me, God. I will unlearn what should be unlearned. And I will learn what you want to teach me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Come on. Can you put your hands together for everyone watching live right now? (laughs) Y'all look so beautiful today. I love your teeth. Beautiful teeth, if I say so myself. Immaculate teeth. Some would say immaculate teeth. Very well brushed. (laughs) Why don't you open up your Bibles? Now, I want to point your attention to the V1 Church mobile app. How many of you have the mobile app? How many of you give, give through the mobile app? Okay. So starting today, these sermon notes are available in their entirety, not just in English, but also in Spanish. Come on, you could do better than that. Dios es bueno. (laughs) Only John Maxwell has worse Spanish than me. I can say that. So if you go to the V1 Church mobile app, you can find these notes in their entirety, both in English and in Spanish. And shout out to Pastor Daniel and Pastor Exica, who are translating our services and um, providing that, that resource for us. Let's turn to Matthew chapter six, verse nine through 13. So let's make a deal, church. Who's here really ready to learn? Yeah. Um, okay, I, I need your undivided attention. I'm gonna try to move through this material as efficiently as possible. There's a lot here. I'm gonna be teaching today about demons. And uh, last week we talked about angels. And so these, these go together. And I believe that you're going to know and understand things that you didn't before. I also want to say this, and this is not to puff myself up, but there are very few ministers in the world that have grown in international ministry based on their teachings and understandings about demons. And I'm one of a small group of guys on the planet right now that have built international ministries based on my teaching on this topic in particular. So I speak on this topic with a significant amount of authority. And I would just ask that you do all that you can to take notes, young and old. If you're a teenager, you can take notes. If you're a young adult, you can take notes. I actually, we have a family that attends this Long Island campus and their child, well, She's a child to me, but she's a teenager. And uh, they were showing me pictures of her in her room watching the broadcast, taking notes as a teenager. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So we just want to, I want all of you to learn. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. This is uh, referred to as the Lord's prayer. How many of you were raised in a church or a denomination that taught you the Lord's prayer? Our father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, let's stop there. The disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. 
Now, it's the only thing in scripture that we have recorded that the disciples asked Jesus explicitly to teach them, which seems to indicate that it's the most important thing that they knew he was doing, and they wanted to understand what he was saying and what he was doing. Now, if you skip down to verse 13, now, this is Jesus. So how many of you are parents? Anybody here, parents, wave at me? Okay, online, if you're a parent, we're praying for you. So when you're a parent, you tell your kids, repeat after me, mama, dad, dad, right? And you, you, don't re, you don't say repeat after me and tell them curse words or cuss words, do you? Hopefully not. You tell them the things that are high up on your priority list. Say this after me, right? So Jesus said, well, if you're gonna pray or when you're gonna pray, pray like this, and he gives a prescription for prayer. Now, what we did is we turned it into a formula, but it wasn't really supposed to be a formula. It was supposed to be a guide. Are you guys following me? And, you know, we always make things into formulas because formulas are easy. You know, formulas are easy. Like having a sexual relationship with someone's a formula. That's easy. That's mechanical. Try having a relationship with them in the bounds of marriage. That's hard. Oh, come on. You're not ready for me today. You're not ready for me. It's easy to do the things that husbands do without being a husband. There's something about relationship that's so much harder than ritual. And God, what Jesus was saying was, these are things that you, these are the types of things that you'll say when you have a relationship with God. These are the types of things that will be normal for you to say when you pray. And he wasn't giving them a formula or a ritual. Matter of fact, even when Jesus healed, he healed so many, he healed the same disease different ways to abolish people's ritualistic thinking. Are you guys following me? So it would be normal for you to start a relationship conversation with God by magnifying him and lifting him up because obviously if you know him, you know how great he is. See how this starts? Your kingdom come, your will be done. In other words, it will be normal if you know him for you to submit your plans to him. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. So it would be normal that you don't politic your way in church and try to get your own agenda approved because if you're one who knows him, you know that his will is more important than your will. I mean, if you know him, you're not selfish, you're selfless. Your will be done. And then verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Well, in other words, if you know God, you have this existential mindset. You're not worried about tomorrow because you understand that tomorrow's in the womb. It hasn't been birthed yet. Yesterday's in the tomb. It's already dead and gone and today's all you've got. And so to know him is to be the type of person that stops being anxious about that which is in the womb and stops being overly concerned about that which is in the tomb, but you celebrate what you've got right now. There's something about being human Our default mode is always wanting to be somewhere else with someone else in a different situation. But if you know him, there's a peace you have in the moment. Does somebody hear me today? Give us our daily bread. It didn't say give us all the bread we can store with preservatives so we always feel like we don't have to worry. That's why some of you don't tithe and you don't give your money to the local church because you haven't learned daily bread. You always want to know that there's going to be enough there forever. It takes faith for daily bread. But, but you got rotten, moldy, stinky bread still in the covers because that brings you more comfort than faith in him. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. 
So those who know him are forgiving people. They forgive their pastor. They forgive their connect group leader. They forgive their dream team leader. They forgive their mama. They forgive their deadbeat daddy. Those who know him know that they were forgiven by him, so they have no other choice than to forgive everybody else. They forgive everybody all the time, right? Forgive, forgive, forgive. Forgive is the favorite F word of the followers of Christ. Forgive you and you and you. Forgive everybody. Forgive you. Try that one. Jesus taught his followers how to pray. Deliver us from evil, though. And this is how he ended it. Do you know that all leaders understand that the last thing you say is the most important? Woo! I mean, if you're a true leader, you, you always save the most important thing for last. I mean, when Steve Jobs would do Apple presentations, he would say what? There's one more, there's one more thing. And Jesus brought them to the conclusion of the prayer by saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. <laughs> so Jesus was seeming to indicate that there is going to be this ongoing spiritual battle between angelic forces and demonic forces. And if you are one that knows him, it will be very normal for you to understand that he is the source of power and you will not deliver yourself from pornography. That he is the source of power and you will not deliver yourself from anger. That he is the source of power and you will not deliver yourself from any of the vices that you thought the power of positive thinking and self-help gurus could help you solve. And lead us not into temptation, but God, you deliver us from the evil one. So deliverance does not come from a formula. Deliverance does not come from scripted words. Deliverance is the result of the power of a mighty God. He is the source of that power, and we should be requesting it and asking for deliverance daily. But isn't it amazing that Jesus taught us to say deliver us, but there's no churches that do deliverance? People think that I'm the demon guy. And I tell people, we're not going in an extreme, we're just balancing. <laughs> because you don't ever talk about demons. You've never casted a demon out because they're probably inside of you. And, and see, the, the problem that we have in most churches is that we've been contented with doing natural ministry. And it's great to teach people how to be super practical, but if you don't teach people how to be super natural, they'll never look like Jesus. Because Jesus was super practical and he was super natural. He fed the 5,000, but he fed him with fish, but then that was super practical, but then he fed him as the bread of life, the words and wisdom from heaven, and that was super natural. It's like the fish were super practical, but when he multiplied it, it was super natural, and you got so many ministries that are only super practical, and people are leaving powerless churches and making the mistake of leaving Jesus too. So when I tell you that there's a move coming this fall, John Maxwell knows. His team does intercession and prayer and warfare before they go into nations. His team prays more than, more than most churches do. But Pastor Mike, <laughs> I've got a gift. Who do you think gave it to you, homie? When you give your gift back to the gift giver, you'll see the true source of power that can flow from it. 
oh, but Pastor Mike, I'm so talented. Who do you think gave you that talent? Your heartbeat is an involuntary movement inside your chest. Who's squeezing that muscle? Oh, I'm not going to give him my words. Well, yeah, but he's the air in your lungs. How dare you not? Choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. I'm going to preach the word in season and out of season. I'm going to preach it under a Republican. I'm going to preach it under a Democrat. I'm going to preach it under communism. I'm going to preach it under, come on, does somebody hear me? I am going to serve the Lord through every season, no matter how unattractive it is to those. They may, they may say my ways are old fashioned. I, I beg to differ. They're not old fashioned. They're ancient. In the beginning was the word before there was every, any government there was God. Before there was any books, there was the living word. Come on, somebody. And so when we talk about angels and demons, we're talking about ancient entities that were there. They were there for your grandfather's fall. They were there for your grandmother's fall. They watched your great, 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 great granddaddy cheat on your great, 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 great grandmother. And then when you feel pulled into temptation, those demons say, I got them and I'm going to get you too. Man, I hope you get this message today. Why do you think Jesus would say, if you're going to pray, you better say, deliver me from temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. Because he knew that that evil one is coming to take you out. Matter of fact, the devil's primary ob objective is to kill, to steal, and destroy to kill and to steal and destroy. And sometimes it's not a physical death, it's the death of your purpose. I, I would submit to you that the greatest death of all is the death of purpose. It's to be breathing without purpose. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. He'll kill your purpose. He'll steal from you. You'll die with nothing, no house. You never owned anything. You know, the Bible says that the borrower is the slave to the lender. And sometimes we'll be like, well, he died at 84 years old at a good old age. Yeah, but what did he die with? No legacy because the enemy stole it. Stole it from him. Stole it from those people. So when you talk about spiritual warfare, you're talking about legacy. You're talking about ownership. And people don't understand dominion theology, which actually means that the goal is not to get to heaven. The goal is to take dominion of earth. We are going to get to heaven. But if heaven was the ultimate plan, we'd already be there. He made earth for you and you and you and me to take dominion over this place. And so we're supposed to own territories. We're supposed to own land. We shouldn't be borrowing. We should be the lender. We should be the one that's blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed when we come, blessed when we go. Does anybody believe this? But, but we live like slaves. We live like slaves. And so spiritual warfare is about taking territory, about taking dominion, having authority over things instead of just receiving anything that happens to us. So let's start with the definition. What is a demon? Don't you love this? I love our church. You never hear this talked about. The Lord's prayer says, deliver us from the evil one, but no pastor ever tells you what the evil one is. Can I tell you? The simplest way to think about a demon, and this is the most profound, and scripture supports this, demons are persons without bodies. Persons, for your notes, 
persons without bodies. When you realize that you are dealing with per, a person, you will have a better understanding of what a demon is. Persons without bodies. Now, you can pray, you can fast, you can read the Bible, but if you don't deal with the demonic, you will never totally be free. And I wanna tell you that there's, in Isaiah chapter 61, verse three, I wanna read this scripture, and I want you to hear it differently. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What if I told you that not all heaviness you feel is emotional in origin? What if there's such thing as the spirit of heaviness? What if there's a depression that has demonic origins? What if you can't treat it with a pill because its origins are not biological? What if you could, come on, I'm just going in, the, I'm surgically kind of dealing with this right now. What if it's not something that can be counseled away because it needs deliverance, deliver us? The spirit of heaviness that they may be called tree. So it's like, you, there needs to be an exchange of the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But some of you are never gonna receive the garment of praise because you misdiagnosed the heaviness. You, you, you thought the heaviness was a chemical imbalance in your brain. Maybe it was. We'll help you go on that journey. But for many others, it's not. And you exchange a spirit for the garment of praise. Now, I wanna to talk to you about your physical body for a second. Everybody has a body. Everybody hearing me has a body right now. And your body is temporal, meaning that it will die. It is not part of God's eternal plan that your body will stay alive forever. I'm so sorry. There's no cream, lotion, or potion that will make that happen. And you can take pills and you can do a diet and we should steward our bodies and we should be faithful to the temple of the Holy Spirit. But you might do your best and only get, get that body to 120. Probably not giving it to 1,200. And who would want to stick around that long anyways? <laughs> Boring. <laughs> but you have a physical body. But I want you to hear this. Adam and Eve are our common ancestors. We all share Adam and Eve as our ancestor. They did not have any children until after they rebelled against God's way. And because we are all descendants of Adam, we are all born into rebellion, okay? They did not have children until after they rebelled against God's way. So your default mode is rebellion. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about. And listen, there's a whole bunch of people, and they're usually under the age of 20, that will try to convince you that human beings are born good because Disney said so. But then everybody who's had a kid will tell you that we are born bad. <laughs> Need I say more? All the bad people laughed. <laughs> but you have a carnal desire and the blood of Jesus, listen to this, it breaks the power of sin but does not remove its presence. The blood of Jesus breaks the power of sin but does not remove its presence. You are supposed to do that part. <laughs> I am gonna crucify my flesh. 
put to death my carnal ways. I'm gonna submit it and subject it to the will of God. Every single day, I'm gonna crucify my flesh. The blood of Jesus destroyed the power of sin, but did not remove its presence. And you have so many people that are teaching these hyper grace, hyper, hyper grace gospels that are causing sin to increase in people's life. Guess what? As you increase in your knowledge of God, you should decrease in your practice of sin. You shouldn't be sinning the same way you are today, five years from now. And if you are, you've got a bad connect group leader, a bad pastor, a bad dream team leader, and you're bad too. So we all have these fleshly, carnal desires. People think, once I accept Jesus Christ, I'm never gonna wanna cheat on my wife. Are you kidding me? I have a TikTok too. Once I accept Jesus Christ, I'm never gonna wanna do drugs and drink again. Are you kidding me? Being drunk feels awesome. But the price that you pay for it is so much more significant than the moment of temporary satisfaction it gave you. And that's how the devil blesses. The demons that come and tempt you, they will always give you momentary satisfaction with eternal consequences. Oh, I am teaching so good today. Sex feels good. Real good, kids. And that's why it's so powerful. The only relationship strong enough to contain the power of it is marriage. Oh, I rebuke you, devil, and your lies that you've told people that you could have casual sex, that you could have friends with benefits, that you can circumvent God's ways. I'm here to tell you sex is so good and so powerful. The only relationship that contain it is a marriage. And you end up sleeping with people and giving away fragments of your heart and connecting umbilical cords called soul ties in the spirit realm. And then you obsessively think about them for years and years and you can't advance or be free because you don't know about a soul tie because we've told you that you're a primordial goo that evolved into an ape that became a human instead of an image bearer of God who has a sacred way to live. But I'm here to protect the sacred way because it's not working for them anyways. Suicide rates are going through the roof in Gen Z right now. Gen Z is a whole generation that inherited prayerless schools, that inherited churches without power. And Gen Z is killing themselves because they say, if my whole life is random, I might as well assert the only control that I can, which is taking my own life. But I just speak death to suicide, not death to Gen Z right now. We've got to understand that we are in a battle, a battle against our own fleshly carnal desires that don't want to do God's will. I wish the men of our church would band together and say, I don't want to go to church on Sunday either, but you text me and I'll text you and let's get our butt to the house of God because we need to lead because we're pillars of that house. I wish the women of this house would rise up and say, you are beautiful. No matter how much makeup you put on your face because you're an image bearer of the king. You are, your dad is God. Because there's a flesh that if we don't fight the flesh together and individually, we'll be overcome with that. And then you'll have a whole bunch of unemployed demons. You're like, I love watching them kill themselves. But you cannot, and this is my next step, you cannot crucify a demon and you cannot cast out the flesh. Let me say that again, because you missed it. You cannot crucify a demon and you cannot cast out the flesh. 
you must crucify the flesh and cast out a demon. And see, the thing is, God's bringing an alignment to the body right now, okay? Demons are mentioned numerous times in the, body, in the Bible. The Old Testament refers to them directly as demons three times, as evil spirits eight times, and sometimes in a more obscure sense in Daniel chapter 10, where they were re referred to, it was referred to as rank, which was prince. Okay, I'm gonna go deeper. Are you guys gonna go with me? The New Testament mentioned demons many more times, calling them either demons or evil spirits over 80 times. You can hardly go two chapters from Matthew to Revelation without reading the word demon. Why are we not hearing it in our churches? Why have you never heard this sermon before? Why is this, not, why is this the advanced class and not the basics? I'll tell you why. Because every military on the planet wears camouflage. Because there's a military advantage to staying hidden. And as long as you can stay hidden, you can stay effective. Because you'll keep taking a pill for something that needs to be cast out. Be oh, somebody hears me. And so what happens is, we have to uncover the works of the enemy because he wants to remain cloaked. He wants to remain hidden. Atheism is a global, multi-generational strategy from Satan and his demons to convince people that God doesn't exist, so therefore they won't believe he exists. <laughs> What's really at stake when people are like, I can't believe my friend doesn't believe in God, they're an atheist. I'm like, yeah, you know, the real travesty is they don't believe in the devil. Because if they could see for a moment what we've seen in the spirit realm. How many of you have been here at church and heard and watched demons manifest and what they say? When you hear a demon in a young girl, two weeks ago, I was at V1 Indiana. I walked off the stage and I, the first girl I prayed for, I said, you tormenting spirit, I command you to come out of her. And as I said that, she started to manifest, which basically means, and I'm gonna read you some of those actions that, that happened. And she said, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her. She is supposed to prophesy. She will not prophesy. I hate her, I hate her. Now, when you hear somebody in their natural mind, now listen, I've taken people through deliverance that are lawyers, doctors, six-figure earning professionals, high-level intelligent people, Mensa-level IQ, and the demons begin to speak through them. I hate them. She will not preach. She will not preach. She's supposed to preach. She will not preach. That's why I hate any religious institution that tries to stop women from preaching with theology wrapped around it because I've heard a lot of demons say they don't want the women to preach either. Y'all aren't ready for this sermon, I'm just telling you. It's, we just, Sunday school is, has begun. Because Jesus, he, he, he ministered in the realm of deliverance significantly more than anything else, and it was connected to healing. And so the New Testament mentions it over 80 times. Here are the primary actions of demons. So write these down or follow in your notes. First of all, they entice. Demons entice. They draw you out. They tempt you. Now, Jesus said, if you're struggling with temptation, cut your arm off. <laughs> His strategy was very extreme. Can you imagine having an amputation service? Freedom Friday, cut your arm off. 
Why did Jesus say, cut your arm off? Okay, I'm going to come over here and talk to the leaders because we're not going to have any leader fall into sin in our church. The reason why Jesus said, cut your arm off is he was actually saying there is no excuse for it. That's what he was really saying is if you're struggling with temptation, I've given you my power. I've given you my blood. There is no excuse. Go extreme. You'd rather cut your arm off and get the rest of your body to heaven than keep your arm and end up your whole body in hell. Oh Lord, I pray I still have a church after this Sunday. You guys are either going to be like, I love my pastor more, or you're going to be like, I'm never coming back. But you know what's crazy? All I've done during this sermon is tell you what Jesus said in scripture, but all the pastors delete all these scriptures out in their sermon because they're like, we couldn't tell that part of it. And I'm just telling you, if you were to read the Bible, it would, it's, it would offend you more than this sermon. Am I right? Has anybody read the Bible know what I'm talking about? So here's the primary of actions of demons. They entice. They draw you out. They solicit you to anger, to rage, to extreme lust. They solicit you to these behaviors. There's an enticing that happens, which is why Jesus said, when you pray, pray, deliver us from the evil one. Next, they harass. They harass you. As a matter of fact, usually the enticing and the harassing go back to back. So watch, they entice you into the sin and then they harass you once you've done it. I'm telling you how demons operate. I've been doing this for 20 years and, and it's something that needs to be exposed in the body of Christ. They tell you, you know, they entice you to anger, explode, punch a hole through that wall, punch a hole in the door, kick the door down, push her, punch her, hit her. It's, they'll entice you, do it, scream, yell, cuss, you do it, fight them, do this, they'll entice you. Then after you do it, they harass you. Look at you, you low life. Look at you, you idiot. Look at who did you think you were? Oh, you thought you were a big man. You thought you were a, a leader. You're nothing. Oh, you're not a man of God. Why, why do you even go to that church? They harass you. And if you don't know that, you'll think that's your own conscience. But really, it's this multi-generational demonic infrastructure in your life. Next one is they torment. One of the most frequent phrases that demons use is God doesn't really love you. I hear that all the time. In deliverance, God doesn't really love you. And here's another one, you're not really saved. They love to torment with that phrase, you're not really saved. I have chills all over me right now because I believe I'm, I'm, the, the devil's very mad. <laughs> We're about to get free. You're not really saved. God doesn't really love you. That's why I started this sermon with a moment of us offering our love and adoration to God and talking about the love of God because the devil hates that. He hates that. Next one is they enslave you. Okay, so let me talk about enslavement. So when you, com when you combine compelling and enticing with the enslaving, you get addiction. Can I say that again? When you combine enticing and compelling somebody to do something and then enslaving them to it, that's how you get addiction. And so with that, you know, so let me give you an example. 
it's possible to drink and not get drunk. I, I know many people who do that. I know many God-fearing, God-loving people, people who are powerful in ministry. It's possible. The Bible says, take a little bit of wine for your stomach. You know, there's all kinds of scriptures. It's possible to drink wine and not get drunk. But for an alcoholic, they have been both enticed and enslaved, and it has produced addiction, and it is impossible for them to drink and not get drunk. And most people who are in addiction, in addiction, the hallmark of addiction is not being able to recognize your problem. And everybody around them says, dad, I wish you would stop. And they're like, it's not a problem. Their wife says, I wish you would stop. It's not. And they don't understand that they are a Christian who's dealing with a demon. Here's the, I got two more for you. Are you guys still with me? Are you getting something out of this? If you're getting something out of this, throw me a comment right now and let me know. Okay, so the next one is they defile. And what that means is they make you unclean through words and images and thoughts. So demons are masters at transmitting thoughts, masters at transmitting words, masters at transmitting images. And they do that to defile you. You know, David said, renew a right spirit within me because he understood spiritual warfare. Saints, listen to me. When David began to play his instrument, the demons that were tormenting Saul were soothed. But you understand that David operated within a realm of spiritual warfare because he understood to not be defiled by demons. Demons will give you thoughts. Demons will give you images and they will deceive you and defile you. And the last one is this, they weaken you. Isn't it amazing that you have people that are too tired to read the Bible, but will spend hours and hours on their phone? Isn't it, I mean, have you ever thought about why you just immediately wanna go to sleep when you read the Bible, but then you'll scroll through your phone for hours and hours and even go, well, you know what? I was gonna get eight hours of sleep because I'm laying in the bed and I have enough time, but now you look at the clock again and you're only gonna get two to five hours of sleep because you were scrolling on your phone, but you had so much energy to scroll, but you just feel so lethargic and tired to read the Bible. Oh man, I know I'm stepping on some toes now. Because demons, they weaken you. Too tired to read the Bible. Too tired to pray. Oh, I'm too tired to pray, but never too tired to scroll. Because as you scroll, they're bringing you deeper and deeper into the networks that they build. Networks that trigger your competitive mind. Networks that trigger your jealousy. Networks that trigger your lust and perversion. And they de you, never, you always have enough energy to scroll through their network so that they can solicit, entice, harass. Oh man, I wish somebody would start getting indignant right now. I don't know about you, but I'm that kind of person where I'm, I'm like Marty McFly. It's like I'm real chill and meek to a point, but come on, Biff, you touch me and you, you know, is there anybody It's like, you just get tired of getting punched and knocked around. Get, is there anybody here who's getting, who's sick and tired of being sick and tired? Who, is there anybody you feel something right? Like you're going to let these demons do that to you, to your family. Come on. They weaken you. Okay. So where do demons come from? I want to talk to you about their origins. We're almost done. The origin of demons is not explicitly addressed in scripture, but there are some clues. So anybody who claims that they can tell you with 
100% certainty that they know the origin of demons is lying. We only have clues in scripture. Revelation chapter 12, verse four and seven says this. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Okay, now let's go down to verse seven. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And now watch, here's a clue. And the dragon and his angels fought back. So demons here are referred to as the dragon's angels. And so what we have here in scripture is this account that most likely the origin of demons were that they were angelic beings created by God, but given a free will. Your will means you have the ability to choose. You can choose, you can get up and leave right now, you can go to the bathroom, you can turn off the broadcast, you have a will, you are not a robot. Angels are created beings who have a will. So scripture seems to indicate that the dragon, which is Lucifer, who was also an angel, used his ability to persuade and convince, along with his beauty and his splendor, that another book of the Bible uh, talks about, to convince one-third of the angels to follow him in rebellion against God. And in the book of Revelation, it says, and war arose in heaven, and Michael, who's an archangel, a high ruling angels, because angels and demons have hierarchies. They have infrastructure. They have uh, leaders and leaders that have leaders. It's, they're highly organized. And there's a war that arose, and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and his angels who fought back, okay? So what the Bible is clear about is, is, is this, though. So it's unclear about the exact origins. We only have what I read you and some other clues, but it's very clear about their destination. Are you ready for this? And the devil hates when you talk like I'm about to talk. There is an eternal fire that was prepared for Satan and his demons. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 and they know of their coming fiery torment. So in Matthew chapter eight, verse 29, it says, and behold, they, everybody say they. So that's plural, is it not? So these demons that were plural, they were working together in a network. They were working together in unity. They cried out, what have, have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Every demon that can hear me right now knows that there is an appointed time where they are going to be thrown into eternal fire. Every demon, and when Jesus was walking planet earth 2,000 years ago, they knew it then. And the demon cried out, wait a second, why are you here? What's going on? We didn't factor on God becoming man through Jesus. We, we didn't factor on a plan this bold that he would become fully human and fully God at the same time. Why are you here? What's going on? Have you come here to torment us before our time? And I'm just here to tell you what it means to be a Christian is that we torment the tormentors. 
What it means to be a Christian is we execute judgment upon demons. What it means to be a Christian is that we have dominion over depression. We give fear to the spirit of fear. We give anxiety to anxiety. That's what it means to be a Christian. We torment them before their time because Jesus said, I'm gonna teach you how to do everything I do. So if Jesus tormented before their time, I'm here to wreak havoc on hell. I'm here to torment every demon in a hundred mile radius of my house because I'm about to pay him back. Whenever the devil reminds you of your past, why don't you just go ahead and remind him of his future? Come on, devil, keep talking about what I did. I'm gonna keep talking about where you're going. I know where I'm headed, into the arms of the Father. I know where I'm headed, into the arms of Jesus, and I know where you're headed too. And everything you've done to me and my family is about to be recompensed on you, and you're gonna be executed with judgment. Okay, let's bring it down. Now, where are demons now? Jude chapter one, verse six. It's a little known book of the Bible before Revelation. It's just one page in most Bibles. It says, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. People always say once saved, always saved. Can I just tell you something? You have a very explicit scripture we're in the perfect environment of heaven. Angels had the ability to, ch to choose to leave, to choose to walk away, to choose. It says they abandoned their proper dwelling, but these he kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So there are some angels that rebelled in that moment that are literally in darkness and chains right now, bound up until that day I just talked about. But there are others that are free to roam and they're referred to as the powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms in Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. So imagine you have this perfect environment called heaven. Then you have this beautiful creation called Lucifer who was over the music of heaven. Lucifer was over the music of heaven. He, he, the Bible describes his splendor, his beauty, his majesty. It was like a thousand, it was like a thousand voices coming from his voice and he was worshiping and he began to lift up his level of pride. He began to think that he was like God. And then he began a campaign of convincing as many angels as he could to rebel against God and to start his own kingdom. How many churches have split because somebody didn't know how to submit and they wanted to start their own kingdom? It's, it originated with Satan, that rebellion. And then the Satan this comes in the form of a snake to the garden. And what does he do? You are like God, Adam. You don't have to do God's way. Do your own way. Make your own kingdom. This is your garden. Do your, don't submit. Rebel. Don't you see? It's it's the same plan all the way over. Oh, God says get married, but you can do whatever you want with your sexuality. You're your own God. You don't have to do, you don't have to build the institution of marriage. You can build your own thing. You can have friends. You see how it's always the same tactic. It's always the same ploy that you run your own life. That's why worship is so powerful in warfare because we're going back to the original way of God that says, oh no. I'm not the one in charge. That's why we're so anxiety ridden because we're control freaks because we think we're supposed to be in charge. We don't know how to worship. 
Worship is when you release control and when your hand is empty of control, it's free to receive trust. Do you all hear me? When your hand is released of control, it's empty to receive trust of God. Daily bread. I'm free to believe for daily bread now because my heart is in the posture of worship. These demons that are free to roam, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, there's common demons that you will encounter. And I've encountered them all around the world on many different continents through many different languages. And they all say, my name is pride. Many of the demons will say Leviathan. I don't have time for that today. I've got many teachings on it. But they will say their name, even in other countries, even people who've never sat under a teaching about Leviathan. They've never heard the phrase Leviathan, the term Leviathan. The demon will call itself Leviathan when they're going through deliverance. It's pride. But isn't that where it all started? Pride? Pride? Why do you think that some of the biggest services we ever had is when I preached against pride and narcissism? It was warfare. The next one is rebellion. But wherever you have pride and rebellion, you have what? What's the next one? Come on, saints. Witchcraft. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In the 1960s, here in the United States, there was mass rebellion, mass rebellion. Everybody wanted to frolic in the park and do free love and experimental drug use. And you had the rise of the beatniks and then you had the hippies and you had, you had that movement. And what came out of that? The Kundalini spirit because yoga practices and Eastern practices from India begin to migrate into the hippie culture in the United States. And that gave rise to what? Witchcraft, pride, then rebellion, then witchcraft. And then what do you have in the United States? You have psychic mediums that can pay to keep their doors open while churches by the thousands are powerless churches by the thousands are closing because people know the spiritual realm is real and they know we're supposed to access it, but we've accessed it in a way that is violating the ways of God. You have right now, one of the lead editors for Teen Vogue is a witch. She's literally teaching teenage girls how to use their menstruation blood for rituals in the Teen Vogue episodes that came out, or the, the, uh, uh, what are, the magazine articles that came out this summer. And there's more of them. You go to TikTok and there's the hashtag witch talk. And you have witches that are being uh, literally endorsed by uh, makeup and, and makeup artists that are, it's crazy what's happening right now. But heaven forbid you say something about demons. Now you're the weirdo? Heaven forbid you go to church while they go to a psychic medium, but you're the weirdo? Why do you think it's upside down? It's because they've been deceived. My God, does somebody hear me? It's socially acceptable to be a witch and a warlock, but people will think you're crazy if you're a Christian that believes in demons. Come on! Look at Lil Nas X releases a sneaker with a drop of blood in each one. Then all of a sudden, if that's not enough, Converse comes out with, with a sneaker with a pentagram on it. Look it up. This is not fake news. They're playing with your kids. They're playing with you. People know more about the spiritual realm from Harry Potter and Star Wars than they do from the scriptures of Jesus Christ. And they can't see it's the same demon with a different set of clothes on. It's the same spirit with a different accent. 
And it's time that we wake up. It's time that we wake up. Another demon that's common is the demon of fear. The demon of fear. Have you afraid to take dominion, afraid to take authority, afraid to open your mouth, afraid? Isn't it funny that, that one, of the, the, one of the most normal things I hear Christians struggle with is I'm afraid to pray? You wanna know why you're afraid to pray? Because the Bible says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. And the devil's trying to silence you so you don't speak death to his plans and his purposes in your life. Come on now, the spirit of fear is always the first one that shows up to block your assignment. Here's the, the last one. These are the majors. I only had enough time to hit the majors. Rejection. The demon of rejection says, no one really loves me. Nobody really cares about me at that church. Nobody cares about me in the comments. Nobody really thinks I'm good at the instrument I play for the church. Nobody likes my sermon. Nobody cares about me. They're not real spiritual dads. They're not real spiritual moms. This is what the demon of rejection sounds like. You're on the outside looking in. You don't fit in with these people. They don't understand you. They don't know what it's like to be raised where you were raised. That's what the demon of rejection sounds like because rejection will draw you away from the herd. It's a wolf with blood on its snout. They don't understand you. They don't speak your language. They're different than you. Come out from the pack, come out from the herd. And he gets you in isolation and devours you. I've never seen anybody leave the church and be better for it. Right now there's a lot of deconstruction that's happening because of people's church wounds. But people are deconstructing so far that they've removed Christ from the equation. Let's deconstruct and let's take out spirits of religion and tradition. Let's take out spirits of rebellion and pride and rejection, but let's leave the true and living spirit of God and the word of God and the community of faith that says church is not an option for me because I've got to come together because there's protection in the fold. How do we become battle ready? How do we face these demonic spirits? Do we need to be experts? Well, can I tell you, Jesus gave his disciples less training than you just got, but sent them out two by two and just told them to cast out demons. Can you imagine that? Hey guys, we're gonna go leave for lunch, but before we do, I want everybody to pair up and start casting demons out throughout this uh, Long Island. What? What? You know why Jesus did it that way? Because he knows that human beings are obsessed with learning and learning's easier than doing. I know this is a convicting message, but I'm disgusted by Christians that have been allowed to be saved for 10, 20, 30, 40, 40 years of their life, never cast out a demon. You know why I'm disgusted? Because the longer you go without casting out a demon, the more you sound like one. Critical, critical, judgmental, mean-hearted, always right, prideful, one that divides, and, but people who cast demons out, when they see the demons manifesting, when they hear the demons talking, when you hear how much demons hate people, when they say, she's supposed to preach, but I'm not gonna let her preach, he's supposed to prophesy, it's all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can't be like a demon. I, I've gotta love people because they hate people. I've gotta release people into their callings because the devil's trying to hold them back. I've gotta be an opposite spirit because you only cast out a spirit by an opposite spirit. People came to 
Jesus and said, you're casting out these spirits by the power of Beelzebub. And he said, that's not possible because a house divided against itself cannot stand. He fought a spirit with an opposite spirit. You can only fight fear with perfect love because perfect love drives out all fear. You see how it works now where there's a spirit of rejection. There's a spirit, come on, of, a, of acceptance and a spirit of adoption. So you can only find a spirit with an opposite spirit. That's why the enemy loves you to be all up in your flesh, carnal. Carnal. Because he's like, come on. Come on. You're being assimilated. You're being trained. You're acting more like me every day. Good job. That's why Jesus said, you can only have one master because you'll love the one and hate the other. You can only have one master is another way of saying that you can only become like one. You can only become like one. And he wants you to become like him. Full of love, full of faith. Would you all stand to your feet? I know the devil's mad. (laughs) But could this be the sermon that you needed to hear your whole life? Could this be the light bulb that goes off where you're like, wait a second, what happened at my last church was demonic. It wasn't just interpersonal conflict. Matter of fact, the Bible Bible says that we don't have battles against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in high places. So I was so mad at my pastor, but I need to forgive my pastor and I need to pray because there was a principality behind that pastor. I I was so mad at that person that hurt me and and they abused me and and yeah, they're to blame and and they've got to own their part. And don't hear me wrong, I'm not trying to stop a judicial process and there ought to be a penalty that's paid for those that do horrible things, but understand if you've only been mad at the person, but you haven't seen the spirit behind the person, you're going to miss out on freedom. You're going to miss out on freedom because I can tell you that you were a victim, but so was that person who did the thing that hurt you. They were a victim of a spiritual war that was going on. How do I become battle ready? Pastor Mike. Mark chapter one, verse 27. And they were all amazed (laughs) so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? Jesus commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Everybody say command. Jesus commands and even they obey him. You must command the spirits. Don't ask, command. Don't ask, come on, I'm a general right now training some soldiers here. This is the impartation. Don't ask, oh God, please, will you take fear away from me? When you say that, you don't sound like a, a war, you don't sound like a warrior, you sound like a worrier. Oh God, please take this away. God's like, but I gave you power over unclean spirits. Don't ask, command. Somebody say, command. Spirit of fear, I command you in the name of Jesus to silence yourself and I cast you out. I will not fear. I will not bend my knee to your thoughts. Stop enticing me. Stop taunting me. Stop tormenting me, fear. I command, I'm not asking. I'm the son of the most high, anointed and bought by the blood of Jesus and I command you now. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. 
And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Do I have any forgiven people who've been made alive right now? Do I have any forgiven people who've been made alive? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He nailed the record of all your wrongs to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. Your dad came to the, he, he literally showed up to the schoolyard park of your life and whooped your bully so bad right in front of you that it says that all the authorities and the rulers, he triumphed over them and put them to shame. You know, one of the reasons why the devil tries to shame you is because all demons are riddled in shame knowing that every day they get closer and closer to the lake of fire. Oh, I felt the anointing on that. And sometimes the closer it gets, the harder they fight. Sometimes the closer you get to breakthrough, the closer you get to your destiny, the closer you get to your purpose, the closer you get to your marriage looking like what God designed it for, the closer you get from your business, taking orphans and making them sons and daughters and teaching them multi-generational legacy, the closer you get to your ministry being unlocked and open and revealed to the, to the world, the closer you get to your sons and daughters coming from afar off and being ransomed back to the Father's house and serving alongside of you. Sometimes the closer you get, the harder you get fought. But that's not a sign to back down. It's a sign to stand up. It's a sign to stand up and stop asking and start commanding. Start declaring. This is what it says. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. I'm not asking cancer to go. I'm commanding it to go. He gave me authority over every, every, every disease, every sickness, every infirmity, every virus, every affliction and I'm not asking, I'm commanding. Is there anybody here who believes they've been given authority from heaven? Is there anybody here who believes that Jesus gave you that authority? Come on, does somebody believe it? Somebody just got a revelation. I, I, I honestly feel like this message changed our church changed our church. You don't have to listen to it anymore. You don't have to listen to it anymore. Those taunts, those taunts on your mind, Aaron, you don't have to listen anymore. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to allow the enemy to tell you who you are and who you're not anymore. You don't have to. You don't have to. Listen, somebody here, I'm getting, I'm coming up under such a prophetic swirl on this stage right now. You are not a dog, you're a lion and a lioness. You are not a dog, 
People get offended when I say I cast out demons. They're like, oh, I see them in the comments by the hundreds. Oh, you didn't cast them out. Jesus cast them out. I know what you're talking about, but he gave me the authority to do it. Jesus said, it's better that I go. It's better that I don't cast the demons out. It's better that you do it because I'm going to give you one called the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And so people with religious demons are like, oh, you don't do it. Oh, you know, you're always trying to steal the credit. No, I'm not. I know the source of the power. But he said, after you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to cast out demons in my name, to heal the sick. You think God's got such a fragile ego that he's intimidated by me saying I did it with him? Come on. We don't ask, we command. See, in Catholicism, you have Father so-and-so. He prays, he teaches, he baptizes. Only problem is when you read the Bible, the term pastor is only used once. <laughs> priest is only used in a global, plural sense. Everybody's a priest. This is literally when you read the Bible. And guess what? Jesus says we all should pray. <laughs> And, and here's the other thing. Exorcism has always been the work of the Catholic Church. But Jesus says, I've given you all power to tread over the serpent, that you would literally strike him with your heel and that you would rise up. So these messages are so scandalous because there's religious institutions that have tried to keep you powerless when the power was supposed to flow from the head of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary down that footed hill all the way down into your life. And you should be a praying mama, a praying dad. You should be casting demons out, laying hands on the sick. It's not Mike's job. It's not Steph's job. It's not Chris's job. It's your job. It's your job. Come on, that's the kind of church that we should have had 2,000 years ago. But see, the Bible says that Satan comes parading as an angel of light. So when Satan shows up, sometimes it looks holy. Sometimes it looks like a church service that made you feel some chills but never got you free. I want the real thing. Is there anybody who wants the real thing? I'm not bashing Catholicism, but what I'm trying to say is any institution that did not teach you that the Bible clearly says that you should be doing the work has tried to build up pride and rebellion in people's hearts. You should do the work. Do I have any demon slayers in this church now? Do I have any demon slayers in this church? Do I have any demon slayers in this church now? Demon slayers. Would you just lift your, if you want this now, here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray. Now watch, there's angels and demons. Angels, they work around the clock to fulfill the will of God. Demons work around the clock to fulfill the, word, the, the assignment of Satan. But we get to participate. We're somewhere in the middle between angels and demons. And we get to choose 
which side we're going to be battle ready for, which side we're, we get to choose. So I want to, just by the show of hands, is there anyone here that will enlist in the army of God with me today? Just by a show of hands. Is there anybody here, come on, that will enlist to be a part of the Lord's army? Not just another church with the church service, not just a pretty little program, but I'm talking about you walk into the Walmart and somebody starts manifesting and you say, honey, come over here. You see somebody who needs prayer and you say, let me pray for you. And is there anybody here who wants power from God to do the will of God? Okay, leave your hands up. Band, we're going to close this out with worship, but I just want to pray over every single one of you, everybody watching live online right now. I'm going to pray for every single one of you. But I want to start by breaking the power of the enemy off of you. Can I do that? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you that V1 Church is a house of freedom. I thank you among every living room from coast to coast and around the world here on Long Island that this is a house of freedom. This is a house of salvation. This is a house of healing from every disease, every sickness. And I take authority over every unclean spirit, over every tormenting spirit, every lying, deceiving spirit, every spirit that has mocked and blasphemed. I take authority over you. I take dominion over you now in the name of Jesus. I break your power in the name of Jesus off of their lives and I command you to loose them and let them go now. You must go. I command you in the name of Jesus to let God's people go under the sound of my voice now. And Father, I release all authority and power from heaven, from top of their head to the soles of their feet right now, that you would anoint them with boldness, anoint them with power, that the fire of the Holy Spirit would be released to them. And if you receive it, church, would you just shout amen? Come on, would you just begin to thank the Lord? Come on, let's give him a thanks. Come on. Come on. Come on, is that you?